Moses Hawkins. I don't know the worst thing that's ever happened here in the four years I've been working here. It was when an owl attacked Eleanor Gillespie's head because it thought that her hair was a nest. out of a hundred times kid goes missing the kid is with a parent or a relative what about the other time what you said 99 out of a hundred what about the other time the one This is Retake, a show about enjoying the cinematic arts. That includes new films, old films, TV shows, pretty much anything that catches our fancy. I'm TJ, I'll be one of your hosts today on this cinematic journey, and today I'm joined by my Night Owl co-founder, Mr. Joe Darnell. How are you, Joe? Hi, TJ. It's great to be back. It's been, what, two weeks now? Uh, two weeks since what? Since I recorded something with you. No, we, it was three or four been, weeks ago. It's, Sorry I was about say, it's been that. longer than that. It's been a long time since we've cast you the pod together. You recorded episode one of this podcast that we shared jointly together without me. I did. I did. That's but what that's, you did. I, I did that. I, we, we got we got Tim Smith. He's he's listed as one of the hosts of Retake as well, and, and he'll be around, you know, but tonight it's just me and you. Well, and I, I, I consider this to be just a show hosted by anyone out there. So anyone picks up a <laughs> microphone, they can host an episode of Retake. That's how it works, right? Um, sure. Well, sure. <laughs> well, one of the, uh, one of the goals of the show, Joe, as you know, is to get to the material quicker and not beat around the bush. So, uh, this it's for us, it's evening. So this evening we're talking about stranger things. This is a series that debuted on, and it is a, um, a Netflix, uh, thing. Uh, so Netflix has been doing a lot of this. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Joe. They've, they've got a lot of these uh, these here, uh, what do you call them, TV shows. But are they TV shows? Are they really? Are they movies? What are they, Joe? They are cinematic shows. I would say they feel like serials. They feel like they feel like feature films that are serialized. Mm-hmm. So you've got uh, big screen worthy performances and direction. That is what's really unique is that it's not that they have better special effects than other television shows. It's that they right. have better performances, better writing, and better direction. And it especially comes through with direction because so much television these days feels shockingly formulaic and cliche. And it's mm-hmm. like everything gets recycled about every three episodes at the most. You got to you know reset all the human relationships, bad guys, everything about the set, everything about the town, all their jobs, and replay all those scenarios over again about every three episodes of any given show. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't feel that way with what Netflix is doing because they have arcs. Um, uh, those are probably new to our audiences, or maybe they remember hearing about them once. Upon well, a time. I mean, and it's not just Netflix is doing this. TV's been moving this way, but I'd say Netflix has kicked the gear forward a whole lot. They've skipped three or four gears uh, in in the process and and are way up in fifth or sixth gear 
on this yeah. on this uh, arc thing. And and it's weird because like you know shows. I, I, for instance, I'm an avid, as, as anybody who's listened to any of my podcasts knows, I bring it up as often as I can. I'm a big Star Trek The Next Generation fan, but they always felt like, and this is just an example, they had to reset the show at, at the end of every episode like so that it could be the same scenarios and the same cast and the same exact everything at the beginning of the next episode. And, and that, that can be frustrating to me. And, and one thing that Netflix is doing really good at, I mean, shows have been moving this way, and there are certainly arc-based shows, but but Netflix is really good about making the entire like every episode feels like it flows from one to the other, one to the next, and and so you're watching this big long thing and you get drawn in. So uh, I I find that really really compelling. Um, for instance, I've I've really enjoyed uh, Daredevil. I've really enjoyed uh, Jessica Jones. Um, what are some others? Uh, House of Cards. Uh, and all these are very much. There, one flows to the next. It's not episodic in the sense that it's reset at the end of every episode and then you're you're on to the next thing. It's all one continuous story, which which is great. It's something uh, you know you might say in the top of, right off the top of your head. Well, that sounds like a soap opera, but it's way better than that because I I've watched a few soap operas uh, against my will. I don't like them. DJ, uh, <laughs> really? Oh man. Yes. If you're going to so, watch a soap opera, things. you should hope that you at least want to do it. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> so Stranger Things, Joe, uh, they released it as Netflix is wont to do all eight episodes of, this, of the episode uh, of season one on July 15th, 2016. The creators were the Duffer brothers, Matt Duffer and Ross brother uh, Duffer, who are brothers. I've, uh, I've never heard of them before. Have you? No, they have been responsible for a few screenplays and mm-hmm. I don't know how much they had to do with directing other films, but I have seen a few of their films. Uh, one of them I liked a lot. And I think that they were more of, they, they were working behind the scenes. They were directors in the making. They were getting right, right. apprenticed and now they've come into their own. And I saw a couple production pictures. They're identical twins. I think ah. they could, they could be uh, spaced apart, but they don't look like it. They, their hair and their, neck beards and everything is the same. So I think they are either one and the same guy and they got Photoshopped twice or they're twins. Neck beards. <laughs> yes. No, I'm looking at a picture of them right now and they definitely are twins. There's, there's no question that they are identical twins, <laughs> but they look likable. I mean, they, they look like sure. they, they're definitely pulling it off like real directors should. Yes, absolutely. So the stars of the show, Joe, um, right off the bat, it's hot build. You have Winona Ryder, who I've actually, I mean, I've heard of her a lot, but I've actually only seen her in one thing, and that's Star Trek. She was Amanda Grayson in Star Trek, and she did a fantastic job, I thought. I, in fact, I was I was sad. Spoilers for Star Trek 2009 when her character uh, doesn't make it. But I was sad that she didn't because she was an excellent Amanda, I thought, uh, Spock's mother. And uh, anyway, here she plays Joyce Byers, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have more to say about her performance, but uh, pretty good. Um, David Harbour, uh, Finn Wolfhard, uh, Millie Bobby Brown, Gaten Matarazzo, I'm butchering these names, Caleb McLaughlin, uh, Natalia Dyer, um, apparently she's known for things like, um, uh, what's that Miley Cyrus stuff from, of, 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 you know, a few years ago, um, that, that show on Disney that she was known for. Anyway, um, so she's- Which been, I'm sure all, all of our audience is very familiar with. I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, Hannah Montana, that's what I'm thinking of. And then uh, Charlie Heaton, uh, Kara Buno, Matthew Modine, and Joe Carey. The, uh, or Kiri? Anyway, the thing here to note is most of these, I've, except for Winona Ryder, I've never heard of or known before. Have, have you? 
No, and th- that is really refreshing about a lot of mm-hmm. the casting for the Netflix film, or I want to say films, again, on our previous talk theme. I really like these characters uh, and the way that these people flesh them out. They feel like a product of their their genre, of their age, of the setting for the story. And I really do like their performances. Yes. And that's what I like to see about Netflix on the uprise is that they are they're more interested in talent than bringing together big names to sell something easier. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So performance ahead of stardom. Yeah. The composers on this series are Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. Also haven't heard of them. Um, I'll have I'll have a lot more to say. In fact, I'm, I'm going to just leave it. Uh, just I'll just note that they're the composers. I ha- I'll have a lot more to say about the music later. Um, Joe, traditionally on the Movie Bite podcast of, of old, you would read the synopsis. Um, so why don't you tell us yeah. about this, uh, this uh, uh, series? All right, everybody, gather around the fire and here, let me tell you a little story. <laughs> I love, a, how does it begin? A love letter to the 80s classics that had captivated a generation. Stranger Things is set in the 1983 Indiana, where a young boy vanishes into thin air. As friends, family, and local police search for answers, they are drawn into an extraordinary mystery involving top-secret government experiments, terrifying supernatural forces, and one very strange little girl. Yes. Then that sets the stage for episode one of the series. Yes. So tonight, I want to note, and I keep saying tonight, our our, our people listening, they're not listening. I'm sure they're all listening to it in the (laughs) evening in the same time zone. We're, we're recording at 8 o'clock Central Time, so, you know, I'm going to say tonight. So tonight we're talking about the first four episodes. That's what I've seen. Joe, you you broke our agreement uh, against my will and better judgment. You've gone on ahead of me, so you know more than I yes. do, but I've watched the first four episodes. I, uh, TJ, I, I am sorry. I should, I, I should be sorry, but I'm not sorry <laughs> that I watched too much of the series. Well, I, I like, I, uh, you know, I like this series, what I've seen of it so far, but I, I feel like you may, you may be liking it better. Uh, the thing that I, I want to note, um, it, it says that it's a love letter to the 80s classics. Um, I th- we, we may be giving away, you know, our old dinosaurish ages here, but I was born in 1982. I believe, Joe, you were 1983? Uh-oh, what? Uh, 1983, yeah, dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> no, um, I was born in 85. Oh, so you're even younger than I was thinking. Um, it doesn't matter. The point is, we're both products of the '80s. Um, me, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and 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 this show, in a lot of ways, really has taken me back to the '80s. Like because I was growing up basically in the in the '80s, and then some in the early '90s. Obviously, uh, would have been my preteen years. And uh, and not a lot happens really, between the '80s and '90s. You got to remember, no. a lot of our entertainment in the first half of the '90s was. The NES, and if you had a Super Nintendo, you had that. And Pixar didn't come to the scene until 95. So we were mostly watching a lot of reruns, or mm-hmm. we were watching Saturday morning cartoons, and there wasn't a lot to go around. So you'd have a lot of VHSs, and they would be well-worn yep. copies of Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, Jaws, Star Wars, Star Trek, if you could get your hands on them. Yes, I had a, yeah. we had a few, we would record them like uh, <laughs> early piracy and we didn't even know it was illegal or considerate piracy. We would record things off the TV on VHS. And, and That wasn't uh, <laughs> piracy, was it? <laughs> well, I think technically it's it's illegal. What it's if you recorded yeah. the ads and you didn't zoom through them? <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, we had a lot of those. We certainly had a lot of VHS. I remember where, I remember VHS tapes would become unplayable after a while. It was a dark time, Joe. Uh, but yeah, it yes, was. 
Yeah. It, funny, uh, speaking of VHS tapes, there's a um, uh, just you, you'll miss it. I think it was episode three, but a, a pan across the living room and there is these VHS cassette tape holders that kind of slide out. And I looked at those. I'm like, we had those exact holders for V like the, the, the slide out drawers oh, for VHS yes. tapes. Yes. Yeah. They, they're, they're sort of like <laughs> drawers that ones. you set up on the top of the TV, like yes. countertop. Yeah. And yeah, they mm-hmm. have drawers and they would always get jammed. They're, the cheap yes. plastic oh, materials. Yes. Always jammed. They, they'd break on the third open. You know of what I speak. <laughs> uh, and you'd mismatch the tapes with the VHS boxes and the labels wouldn't match the branding on the VHS sleeve. I think the what we're saying here, Joe, is that this really takes us back to the 80s. I mean, it was set in 1983, which a bold choice, honestly, because when I think of the 80s, I have no special love for the 80s, or I didn't think I did. Watching the series certainly has has given me some fun. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Now, I will say there's not enough hairspray and poofy hair for the 80s. <laughs> Maybe it's just that it's set in Indiana. They distanced themselves from hair, any hairspray supply. I suppose. I suppose. I, I can tell you, like, we're, we were in the middle of Illinois, so basically the same thing, right? And The, the uh, filmmakers were like, that's one thing we don't need to be nostalgic about in the 80s. <laughs> But I can tell you, I can tell you that my mother, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure any other 80s kids can tell you their mothers too, because it was not just my mother. She had a major perm, like like that was her hairstyle all throughout the 80s. Was a big, and it wasn't it wasn't big frizzy, but it was a perm. You know, it, it was it was the 80s hair, and, Maybe and that's what I remember. All the about extras the 80s. and the cast on this show are just not that committed to their craft <laughs> to, to get a perm for the show. But honestly, that's the only oversight really that I've seen is like the hair is not quite there. It's just not quite. Not, not Barb's was almost there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Barb's mm-hmm. was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it, and I really do appreciate this level to, uh, like the the patron, re, uh, you know, reimagining of the '80s. It's it's very refreshing because yeah, they are focusing on the more pleasant attributes of that time. That's true, and well, in some ways, anyway. Um, yeah, that, well, I mean, true. like the scary stuff, and uh, I don't think I think that the 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 suspense and the the weighty darker matters of the show can be depicted in any sort of film for any era, any year. So mm-hmm. the the dark side of their drama and the teen angst and the the scary things, um the, the just the despicable villains in this show, those those are not characteristic of the eighties. I don't think. I hope not. I hope no. I'm not a product of those things. No, but I mean, there, there's, you know, I don't know. There, there's some things like I'm glad we live in the now and not the 80s. But, but you know, it, it's certainly they, they're certainly taking a look at the, uh, shall we say, the more pleasant, softer side, like you said, of, of the 80s. Yeah, the visuals, the visuals, what the 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 window dressings, the things you see uh, piled up on the shelves in their their mm-hmm. houses and apartments and you know the like the trailer parks. It's it they're things that even if you don't want to go back and live through that again. You enjoy it for the art of storytelling craft. It's like, oh, yeah. How did they yeah. pull that off? Where did they find all this junk? This yeah, is absolutely. stuff that should have been recycled a long time ago. We, you look at the cars, for instance. I mean, you got to imagine shooting something set in the 80s and making sure it all, every every part of the frame look like the, looks like the 80s has got to be expensive. But, like, you take cars. Like, some of the cars obviously are going to be like, we. you know, I drive a little bit of a junker, and, and that's fine. But but so I'm sure that you can take older cars from the 80s and get them looking like they were, they used to be new a few years ago. But then there's the, you know, people are going to be driving new 80s cars. And how do you find that? And how do you do that? Like, that's... That's incredible craft, and 
and and and it's something that you would notice if it wasn't there, but nobody's going to take note of otherwise. Um, so those those little touches, I think, are are really well done in this in this uh, in this uh, TV show. So are you ready to talk about episode one? First impressions of the actual storytelling as it unfolded. Well, that, that's the interesting thing is I don't think of them as episode one. I, I feel like I'm I think of them as I'm halfway through a series of uh, or I'm halfway through a movie. Basically, oh, is how see. it feels. So it's hard for me to even separate. But but yeah, there's definitely some things we can talk about in episode one. And and right off the bat, you've got these uh, these uh, nerd kids who I kind of identify with on some levels. Uh, I never played Dungeons and Dragons, but um, they they're they're doing this ten hour marathon. Like I would have, my marathon would have been a ten hour marathon on uh, Nintendo, you know, oh, or yeah. something with with friends. I remember going to my 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 dearest childhood friend's house. Um, who unfortunately I have little contact. Isn't that sad how that works out? I have little, I, I mean, I'm friends with them on Facebook, but like we, anyway, that's just another, another conversation. But I would go to his house like, and for hours we would just like, we would, I would spend the night at his house and we'd play Nintendo. Like we'd, we'd beat nice. Super Mario 2, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, Super Mario 2 is way underrated by most people, by the way. Mm. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, or we play Gradius or you remember Gradius? No. What was that? Was that on the NES? <laughs> Uh, yes, it was an NES game. Anyway, so we play all these, like that was our thing. So we would, so, so the point is I identify with this on a different franchise, a different kind of game, but it was the same sort of thing. And that's what they were doing with, with uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and and it was, it was great. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I I definitely, my heart connected with these boys, the toys Mm -hmm. they had, the, the, the posters up on the wall just felt like they were, uh, the, they would have been my cousins. They would have been my older cousins <laughs> from the eighties that had all yes. the cool toys. They would have been around when all the star Wars toys were available. So around 1993, I would have visited their bedrooms and been like, where did you get all this cool stuff? How do you have all the transformers and all of the GI Joes? <laughs> and, um, I don't see any of those in this TV show yet, but I'm sure that they could crop up. These are the kinds of boys that would have all the Megatron Optimus prime, you know, Oh, which episode was it that the Millennium Falcon was in? That they, oh my gosh, I would have killed to have that toy. I I have that toy, but I have oh I have gosh. it when it was uh, um, reproduced later okay. around the year two thousand. I got okay. it for the kids. <laughs> yep. I say the kids. Uh, you know what I mean. Oh man! So so right off the bat, even right in episode one, I mean, we get so many things. Uh, again, I'm I'm gonna keep talking about the eighties, like from the eighties, like the ugly carpet and the banana bike seats. Oh my gosh, the rotary phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just how everything was sort of an icky brown and mm-hmm. glossy mm-hmm. khaki blech color, or uh, fake wood and unnecessary bevels. And everybody loved their lazy boys. I'm looking at my lazy boy in the corner right now as I say this, <laughs> I, which I, like I got from my grandmother and I'm pretty sure it's from the eighties. I'd like to say that the surrounding decades of the eighties sucked all the aesthetics out of the eighties. <laughs> something, <laughs> went, something went wrong in the eighties. Everything was bland and drab. Strange and looked, things. Are you saying yeah. that something very strange happened in the eighties? And it, it, it's actually, they've made a, they've done a great job of making it look interesting and, 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 a, and great while still looking like the eighties and drab. Um, it's, it's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, just even down to the details, like I believe Jim Hopper has sort of this like uh, a tacky looking weight of coma's hair. It just, it, it just looks grungy the way he <laughs> slicks his hair back. Like, yeah, you, yep. you don't want to pet this, this man on the head. And <laughs> no. that reminds me of the eighties. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so right, right away, I think this. Uh, actually, I, I kind of skipped the opening scene, which, which is uh, a very almost horror uh, genre scene. Um, you know, where this hallway, the lights are flickering, and this guy gets you know pulled up the elevator shaft, and we never see him again. Like something has definitely gone wrong, and and uh, is sci- you know sci-fi wise. Uh, so, so this, I think this firmly plants it in the sci-fi genre. Some people have said it transcends genre and then, you know, it doesn't really have a genre. And I don't, I don't think that's true. It's, it's pretty well established in some sort of sci-fi, I think. Yeah. I think that is very fair. I, and if you wanted to put it into another one, I would say thriller because in yeah. every, in every uh, plot and subplot, there may be, you know, little, little romances. There may be mm. dramas, but everybody has their sci-fi elements or just dealing with tremendous amount of human angst and fear, fear of the unknown fear of really dark, strange things, uh, meeting circumstances that are just beyond belief. So no matter who you're dealing with, there's sort of the element of the only way that we can explain this is with science that nobody understands just yet. Right, right. (laughs) Or it'll just freak the living daylights out of you. You know, honestly, it feels a little. There's almost shades of Fringe. There's definitely not a one-to-one comparison. Did you ever see Fringe? See, I watched a few a few years ago, but I don't oh. really remember them well. You'll mm, have to you remind need to watch me. Watch that show. It's in my it, queue a, on Netflix. It's a great show. Uh, I enjoyed every season of that show. I don't care what anybody says. Every season had its perks, and every season was good. Um, but Fringe, but but it reminds me. Almost, it's almost like it could have been events that happened in the Fringe universe before Fringe takes place, because Fringe takes place in real time, uh, you know, at the time it was made. Oh, um, okay. so So, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, um, you know, it was made, started in 2005, I think, or 2006, I don't remember for sure. So it, basically it starts, and that's when it starts. And, and every season, basically, like until the last season when they move way forward in time. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, where, where this, this show almost feels like, not quite, there's differences, but it feels like in some ways it could have been like the events that took place in the fringe universe back in the eighties, you know, where people were doing strange experiments on kids and that sort of thing. So, so immediately that sort of drew me in and it's like, oh yeah, I I can get into this. I, I I definitely can get into this. Mm. Um, it, it hasn't captured me quite as well. I don't think as, as fringe did right off the bat, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I would I would say that actually this show is probably not quite as as sciency. We get a lot more right off the bat. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, interpersonal relationships, which which those grew with Fringe over time a lot more. Um, and and Walter, for instance, is a, such a great character that you come to love. But but this show I think establishes itself as a relationship show much earlier, which is good. I think that's very good. Now, I'm not very good with names of the characters of the show just yet, and uh, that's my bad, but I'm pretty bad with names of characters and shows anyway most of the time. The only one that really that has stuck with me, well, I mean, there's Joyce. and uh, Yes, then, Joyce Byer, obviously. There's also Elle. I, I really uh, have gravitated towards that name, just an unusual nickname mm-hmm. for yeah. short for 11. You have a nickname, yes. and then you get a nickname for your nickname. Uh, I like well, how the kids in the 80s thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, right off the bat, like she, she sort of uh, establishes a rapport with the audience. Like you, you gravitate toward her, and you want her to be okay, and, and you want things to be okay for her, and that's really good. And 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 obviously, uh, Jim Hopper, Hop, um, he obviously stands out pretty quickly too as somebody who's hurting and struggling, and and you know he's gone through some things. And, yeah, he feel- and as as does jo- you know Joyce Byers. Like I I I love the kids. Don't get me wrong, and I can identify them by face, but I just don't know their names that well. 
Yeah, and I don't mean that they're forgettable. It's just their names don't have a lot to do with their personas and their exactly. names are not brought up a lot. Yes. Uh, th- these are not characters that we are familiar with from a, a, a franchise uh, mm-hmm. of something like Marvel. And th- it's not like they've been around for decades with us. So it's easier for their names to slip through the cracks. Exactly. But, yes. I, know the, but I know the actors' names almost as much as I, as I know the characters' names. And that is not any uh, disservice to their performances or roles in the characters. I just, uh, the thing is that I'm really compelled by their, all of their performances, but I'm also wondering like, who's going to die in first season. And then I don't have to worry about remembering their name anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So I I kind of expected a few more people to die by this, this rate during the series. You're Uh, so cold, Joe. (laughs) Well, maybe a little cynical about some of the television serials I've seen around. All right. So, so back on track for episode one, I mean, obviously, so, so Will is kind of, uh, now I remember that name because obviously he's been taken and we don't see him anymore. Um, so he's he's sort of been snatched, and we get the impression that this is a monster movie, you know, monster show or a monster movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, and, you know, we get the mysterious girl, and and uh, we we try to figure out what's up with her. And then in in uh, I don't know, do you have anything to say about else to say about episode one? I'm ready to say, you know, because like I said, I think of it as a whole more than anything. No, that's good. Yeah, we can definitely talk about the first four as a whole that you've seen. Dive yeah, in. yeah. So episode two, obviously, we get, um, you know, the, the the boys meet the girl, or was that at the end of episode one? See, I even have trouble separating it there. And then they're hiding her, you know, in the basement. Like that's, that's so weird to me, but <laughs> that's <laughs> because like she she doesn't want to meet any of the adults, so none of the adults know that this girl exists anywhere. Which ultimately is probably good because we know she's running from some bad people. And, and, like, these, and you know, yeah. this is good writing and direction when they can convince you as the audience. Yeah, yeah, for just a moment, it might be better for these boys to hide the girl in the basement from their parents. Don't tell any adults about this. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, ultimately, I, I don't agree with that as a, as a parent. I don't want my children doing that. No, but. no. Just, but but at, at the same time, it, it's rather well played that we are sucked into that and we buy into it. But then at the same time, we're yeah. shaking our heads as adults. We're like, oh, these boys Oh, we would have done the same thing. But no, yeah, these boys, no, there's no way that we would pull, pull grieved into this now. Yeah. So, and then in, in uh, chapter two, as, it, as it's re- referred to by chapter, by the way, each episode. So in chapter two, episode two, obviously we start getting hints that, that uh, you know, Joyce Beyer, where her character is headed uh, in terms of crazy land, mm. um, which you understand because she's just, lo- as far as we know, lost her son. And as we find out, again, I have a hard time separating which episode. I think it may be the next episode, chapter three, where we find out that, oh, he, he's he been his, his – again, I don't know if we mentioned this at the top of the episode. Spoilers for first four episodes. But um, okay. you know, his, his body has been found in a lake. And then in, in chapter four, we find out, no, his his body is 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 uh, stuffed with st- – like that's not his body at all. It's just been made to look that way. Mm. And, and one of the – I think it's chapter three. It's pretty firmly established in my mind. They haven't said it specifically, but like what the whole the whole thing that we're looking at here in that uh, in that laboratory uh, and, and stuff the stuff that's going on and the monsters and where they're coming from, it, it looks to me like a rift in, in like – I don't know. Is it the space-time continuum? I mean there's some sort of bleed through of, of realities from what I can tell. Like when when Barb was taken, um, it, it looked to me like she was in the same like place space. Like she was in an empty swimming pool. She was crawling up out of there. It looked like she was there where she was before, except in a different reality or or maybe a different dimension where the, that can see things in our reality. I can't tell for sure. You know. 
Yeah, and I, I definitely think they've set these scenes up for you to speculate. They want you oh, yes. to wonder, let your imagination fill in the gaps and present your own theories and discuss it on Facebook. I think that that's well played because it, it, it's sort of like an adventure and uh, not a, exactly like a pick your own adventure, but like pick your own character that you're rooting for and travel along with them on their own adventure and so you're yeah. seeing the events unfold through many people's eyes and you realize they're all in the same adventure, but they're not comparing notes. So no. Barb has this information and Joyce has this and Hopper has that. Uh, Elle has other information, but she doesn't talk much. And that kind of feels a little annoying at times. Well, but so you can yeah, also have, understand why. I have thoughts on that. Um, so I'm, I just finished episode four last night, obviously. And, uh, it felt to me like they're setting it up. They're they're drawing them together. Like they're they're moving the chess pieces into place for their, them to finally start comparing notes soon. That's what it feels like to me. And, and but we're not there yet. We but obviously um in and at the end of episode four, Joyce's son uh, finds out uh some information that that his mother's not crazy after all. And uh uh we, which we haven't even talked about yet. So I'm kind of jumping the gun there. But but so. So then he's obviously on his way to talk to his mom about what's going on with all the strange events and, and pretty much so, so so we can talk about the whole unhinged thing. Like Winona Ryder as an unhinged crazy person, is, is, she's fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's such a weird thing too, right? Because she is unhinged. She's like she's going crazy. She's a little bit nuts and she's completely just off her rocker and yet she's right. Like that, that that's the weird thing. You can tell – from what's going on, like she's got the right idea. Some of the particulars are, are messed up, but she's she's trying to get to her son Will, and she knows he's alive, and then almost like a different dimension or coming through the wall or whatever, and and she's communicating with him with the lights, like all that's fantastic stuff. It, 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 I, I sometimes wondered if she was developing her opinion of what was unfolding a little bit too fast. Mm -hmm. But just at the beginning, but then by like third episode, yeah, I was like, yeah, I can totally understand why she's gone as crazy as she is now because I mean, she, she knows she's right. And she knows that she's just trying to save her son who appears to still be alive under incredibly strange circumstances. And who knows if they can save him. But at the same time, even if she is justified she also has lost a lot of her humanity while trying to save her son. She's lost. She's lost her way thinking about her other son. She still has. She's given up on most of the things and she needs her boy back. She needs Will back. Like he's a lifeline. Yeah. Uh, he matters a great deal to her, which well, I think course. makes a lot of sense. But well, think of it. Think of it was your son who you, yes. you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt was still alive. And, but yet he's like trapped in a dimension somewhere. Like, you know, you, you would do everything you could to get him back too. I certainly would for yes, any of my yeah. children. So yeah, you can totally get it and why she's coming on it. Like, like the motivations there make sense. I, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that's really clever about all of them is that everybody in this show, whether they seem like they are um, on the in crowd and they're hip and they're mod, you know, they're modern and they, they fit in uh, with the general public or not. Everybody has a lot of eccentricities, quirks, and weirdness about them. Makes them yes. feel very uh, realistic to me. I mm -hmm. mean, not everybody around me is weird, but a <laughs> lot of people are a lot more weird than we are willing to put them on TV. And so movies in general show people that look like models or 
superstars and they have their their cleft in their chin and they seem like football <laughs> graduate you know you know stars and graduates and everybody looks just you know overly polished and them with their their polo shirts and you know who knows what but the thing is this shows people for you know being kind of plain and not having the best haircut or you know just kind of slouched over the bed like a kid would playing with his toys yeah and um i like that like show them show them for all their quirks and then underneath all that if you can look past the appearance of things you find a lot of hum- a humanity within with characters like Jim Hopper. He's he, there's a lot going on inside of him and as well with what is his name Jonathan Byers. He he definitely seems like the odd teenager that most people would avoid because they just cannot figure him out and he seems too odd. But yeah, then I mean, so, you know, so well cast, you know? Yeah, but then he he definitely he's uh, he's right about some things and no one's just giving him the benefit of the doubt. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I want to say there, it, it has been like I, I, when I was a kid, I remember watching The Goonies and I don't think I've seen it since then. But I feel like and, and I saw somebody saying this on the Internet and I'm like, oh, you know, I think that's right. There's so many like like I keep feeling like familiarity to to the, the situation and kind of what's going on. And like there is some I think some some similarity there with with The Goonies. Do you, did you ever see The Goonies? I did an incredibly long time ago. I was yeah, very me, me too. Exactly. It, it's, it's very vague in the back of my head. But I feel like that that's a that's a good kind of uh, there's there's definitely some shades of that in this I think, which which is interesting and it's well played it, it, and for that reason it's not just a genre sort of series it's also a film homage sort of series yes it reminds me of things that were pl- well played in films like E T so mm, yeah good mm. on the filmmakers for capturing the kind of shots the kind of performances the lighting effects. The, the the way they would stage action to unfold that are very reminiscent of the 80 films. I, I, I like it. It's all a fresh take on some familiar things of our childhood. But then they also introduce new visual effects, new you know special effects. They take advantage of modern filmmaking. In, so, in what way? I, I haven't seen that many effects. In this it's film. very layered and natural sort of stuff. So yeah. it's nothing that looks odd. They want everything to look real. So... Yes, it's the kind of stuff that are atmospheric. So when you go to the other dimension, that's incredibly creepy. There's some strange <laughs> lighting effects and dust particles floating around through the air. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure they're digital, but they're also. Oh, yeah. They are meant to look otherworldly because they're not from our world. They would look like they're out of place. And to our naked eye, I think they take advantage of how computer effects can just look kind of strange and artificial to us. And make it look otherworldly rather than making it look like cheap effects. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that they would have been able to take advantage of in the 80s, but they can now. That's true. Yeah. It would have been hard to make some of those effects like that, like you're talking about the otherworldliness. Uh, it would have been hard to do that in the 80s, I think. They probably would have used like a soft focus or a, a soft lens and they would have had some glowy lights. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right about that. Um, there are just a couple other things I want to touch on. Um, one, of, one of them is just. Um, I have what one thing that I found a little bit frustrating is that I feel like that sometimes the show doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Uh, there are occasions when it feels like it wants to be a teen drama, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, wh- why are we spending so much time on uh, 
these this two character. high schoolers, yeah, these two high schoolers who they shouldn't be together, and they know, you know, like, like the girl knows she shouldn't be doing this, and then all well, of a sudden she's taking her clothes chapter, off with him. Well, and, but that's what chapter three is about, TJ, is that uh, they, they get yes. they, they dive deeply into those characters until the end of the chapter, leave it with a cliffhanger, move on to other characters in the next episode, not explain anything that they developed in chapter three. I guess I I just I never quite bought like like. This guy that she's that, that uh, Nancy's with is supposed to be this schmoozy, you know, uh, good looking. All the girls fall for him and stuff, and I'm just not seeing that. He's such a jerk. <laughs> He's such a jerk. Oh my god! DJ, gosh. you you weren't a teenager in the '80s. It was totally different then. Girls were different. <sighs> Guys were different. Well, Hairspray. My wife, my wife has been watching it with me, and 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 she's just like. She just she's constantly um, yelling at the screen, and Nancy's like, "What are you doing? You're such an idiot! You, why are girls such idiots?" You know. <laughs> Sadly, uh, don't, never mind. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, she can say that, but <laughs> so so that um yeah that that was the one. That's really the only big frustration for me so far is that occasionally it feels like the show doesn't know what it wants to be, and it spends too much time on teen drama. Like, I don't quite get it, um, but it's fine. It didn't dwell there for that long, and, and we kind of got over it. And one thing about it is rather nice as a plot device is they were trying to make the in-crowd and normal people look corrupt and wayward in their thinking anyway. So, like, yeah, you can't really yeah. trust the mainstream people and the people in the public who have all the attention. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't trust the popular kids. You can't trust the the cool parents and the the families that seem to have it all get together they're, they're right. establishing that anything that looks normal and safe is something that's not necessarily normal and safe so sure yeah they took the time to develop why you should appreciate the weirdos and gravitate towards them and you know hope and root for them care about them more than seeing like a traditional police force, you know, you know, squad roll into town and save the day and say like, yeah, yeah. See these guys in blue, they've already figured out this kind of situation. Oh, these teenagers in school look like they they came from Peter Pan parents and they have it all together. They can just come in here and solve all the problems because they've got their act together. Yeah. No, no, no. They want to show, you know, they, these people are screwed up and you, you can't depend on them in this town. They, they've got other worries. They've got other problems. And some of them are just making massive mistakes with their, with their teenage life. So yeah. just care about a few isolated teenagers. Um, these over here that seem to be figuring it out and, uh, you know, along the way and, you know, f- feeling bad about their mistakes and, you know, changing their direction in life. Yeah, well, I you know I, I do like Nancy well enough, and I hope she pulls it together and realizes that she's uh, yeah, she's, me too. She's with she's with a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I I'm hoping for Nancy, but I don't know if we have enough hope. Yeah, I don't know we'll where they're going with her. So so the, then the other thing that I wanted to just mention at least is that the score um, I think is pretty good. It occasionally occasionally reminds me of like Shades of Tron Legacy, which which is good. Yeah, in yeah. in that way, um, it's, it's it's just occasionally I'll hear that and I'm like, oh, it's kind of Tron Legacy ish, you know. But they're they're doing it all synth, but it's not like terrible. Like it's reminiscent of the '80s, but it's not terrible '80s poppy synth nastiness. Right, and you know, I really enjoy the music for its background atmospheric quality because it always reminds me that this is set in 1983. Right. And sometimes sure. when you're just looking at you know sheriffs in town, you know, raiding a strange laboratory, and the fluorescent lights are flickering, and you see some guys in lab suits, it could be from any era. 
And the whole half of the show will be dedicated to this, you know, plot development. And so that's where you are. And the mm-hmm. only way you're reminded that you're in the eighties is with the music. Yeah, I suppose I, I'm, I'm constantly reminded we're in the eighties, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it does feel great. And it, it, as synth, it feels as natural as something like, uh, I think a film that really is classic synth, you know, soundtrack is chariots of fire. And I don't think mm. that synth is necessarily the, the ideal it's, it's not necessarily the music uh, that I would have used if I was making the film, but in mm-hmm. retro, you know, after having the film and having that soundtrack, they're just so classic of the eighties and it sounds yeah. so good. And so it's not what I would have made if I was making the film, but now that we have it, it's great. And it, that synth music really captures that film. It's like, it's kind of like that. It, uh, it works even when you don't think it should. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Well, Joe, um, I think that's a pretty good place for us to kind of wrap up our feelings on, uh, episodes one through four thumbs up, thumbs down. What are you thinking? I I think very positive. I think that I, I felt very iffy about episodes one and two because I was thinking, Mm. is this going to just get darker and stranger and more depressing? But then by the end of episode four, I felt like they were giving me more reason to hope seeing some plot progressions and they keep on uh, tugging at my heartstrings for all all of the nostalgia. So uh, I'm, I'm still interested. I'm a few episodes farther in than you are and that hasn't changed. I, I feel like the series is being very consistent and I'm curious to see what they got to do in the last few episodes. Yeah, I think each episode has successively gotten better for me. Like the first episode was like, yes, I'm I'm interested enough to watch the second one. The second one, I'm like, yes, I definitely need to watch the third one. And the third one was like, yes, I must watch the fourth one. And then like it was all I could do to not watch more than four episodes, Joe, like we were supposed to, because um, I could have watched more today. And I decided to wait because we were watching four episodes and having an opinion on four episodes. And I did not, not want that to be colored yet by the rest of the episodes. Mm, so. You just couldn't keep up with me. And I just don't have enough time for TV like I do. No, that's true. Yes. I so. was actually, so, yeah, I I've, think two nights I was watching shows past midnight. I think that's what happened. <laughs> Well, so yeah, you're an hour ahead of me and I was like, man, I need to get to bed. It's like 1130 and I'm just, I'm just wrapping up and, and you're like, yeah, I just started the next episode. Like you're, what are you doing, Joe? What are you doing? <laughs> well, the so, cliff, uh, two of the cliffhangers especially bothered me. I, I could not wind down when they got to those points. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Okay. Well, so I'm going to say the first four episodes, thumbs up for sure. I, 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 I'm, I'll, see, the thing is, like, a lot of it's going to depend on where the series goes and what happens in the next four episodes, whether I like it as a whole or not. But so far, yes. Yes. This is the at. sort of thing that you would recommend to friends. I think I would. I think, I mean, like, yes, people with, with, like with us. Caveats. I think that I would recommend, yeah, with caveats. Part of it is, do you appreciate the 80s? Part of it is... Do you mind if the story uh, sort of meanders over eight episodes to tell just one story? Like you uh, said, you yeah. feel like you're halfway through a single movie. and that's So So I was thinking more along the lines of I, I do have a lot of uh, conservative Christian friends and, and a, lot of, a lot of people I know uh, don't, won't care about this. But some of them will be like, well, you know, there, there is definitely the, the whole um, the teen sleeping together aspect, which, mm-hmm. which they not just allude to, they, they definitely – they allude to it very heavily. Let's put it that way. Like we know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and then they, then they finally cut. And I told, you know, I even told my wife, I was like, if they, as the scene started progressing, the one in question, I'm like, 
if if this is if this is a Jessica Jones, you know, sex scene, I'm going to be really upset. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it wasn't. They moved on from that. So that's fine. So that's why that's why I say with caveats because other than that, I'm enjoying it immensely. Yeah, and I agree. I, uh, this would not be appropriate for a younger audience for sure. And for others who just have uh, selective tastes, I think they need to be careful about whatever, whatever they let their family watch and, you know, just oh, yeah, keep, yeah. keep well, it above bar. Th- th- that's the other caveat is I wouldn't let any of my children at their ages watch this right now. So, yeah, I mean, even even though it has all this nostalgia for our childhood, it's not really a children's show. Not not in the least. So. So, yeah. So thumbs up for me with those caveats. I, I want to see. I mean, like I know that a lot of people are already excited about the production for the next season, if we're calling it seasons and yeah, we're not done. So we're not sure yet on whether or not we should trust it. Um, I, I, I really waited to hear from the first wave of the audience that saw these before I gave it a shot because some of the other mm. programs that have to do with the supernatural thrillers, horror get too dark too fast and this is yes. a lighter fare compared to many of those. So it is just on the edge where it's kind of like, yeah, if you keep going there, got any darker, any weirder, any more horrific, it'd be too much of a bloodbath for me to stomach. So I'm glad they haven't gone there. They're being consistent enough that it's palatable and I can ease into this. I, I, I do I, I do find it greatly disturbing that a lot of our entertainment these days is about tormenting other people. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wrestle with the the value of watching other people be tormented. Mm. But at the same time, if there's hope that some of these people will pull through and they're they're going to find some rest, you know, some light at the end well, of the tunnel, then I'm rooting there's for a fine, them. Yeah, there, there's, it's like there's a fine line between good drama and just tormenting your characters. There's a really fine line there. And, and this show is not nearly as close to that line as, say, a Jessica Jones is or, or even Daredevil, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that this show strikes a good balance that way. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, we would love for you to continue the conversation, uh, dear audience. Uh, if you want to, you can find Joe on the Twitters. Where, where is that at, Joe? I am JCS Darnell on Twitter. And I am TJ Draper Pro. That's a great place to engage us in conversation. You can also tweet the official Night Owl uh, Twitter, which is Night Owl FM. We'd love it if you give us a follow. Retake is now in the iTunes store, and and this is a very important and crucial time for Retake to get noticed as it's new. Uh, and if you give us some ratings and star reviews in the iTunes store, uh, then you will uh, be you, you will be helping us. And uh, I hope we're your favorite show by now. Episode two, come on, get with it, guys. So so go rate <laughs> us and give us a give us a star rating and help us get noticed and help us move up the ranks. And we're, we're looking at doing some cool stuff. Like, we're obviously, we've branched out into TV now, and we're not just doing films like we did with the Movie Bite podcast. So we're going to do more, like, you know, episode three is going to be the, the next four episodes the, the to complete uh, season one. And so we're going to do kind of arcs and things like that as well with retakes. So, so a lot of fun stuff coming up, much more to come. Uh, follow Night Owl FM on Twitter. And uh, yeah, give us a rating in the iTunes store. Was there anything else? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think that's it. So with that, we're going to say goodbye. Thanks so much, Joe. And uh, it's good to, ha- good to be back on the mic with you, man. Thanks, TJ. Also, uh, same here. I, I, you know, I missed our evenings over the microphones. So. Yeah, me too. Me too. Always All right, that wraps it up for us. Good night, everyone. Talk to you later.